Episode 51 of Star Wars Tonight is brought to you by Geek Fuel. Get a free bonus Star Wars item with your first mystery box when you go to geekfuel.com slash Star Wars Report. That's geekfuel.com slash Star Wars Report. Coming up on Star Wars Tonight, we're talking about the latest in the world of Rogue One as we get one week that's right, ladies and gentlemen, one week away from the release of the next Star Wars movie. Let's do it right now. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It is Star Wars tonight, your nightly countdown. To uh, Rogue One, a Star Wars story. I'm your host, Riley Blanton. So glad to have you on board. Man, it's feeling real, guys. We're so close. Let's do it right now. Oh, so excited. So excited. So much to talk about. Like I say, I've long since given up, actually. I thought doing a nightly podcast uh, in the lead up to Rogue One that I would actually be able to keep up with the, the blitz, the PR campaign, the interviews, the new think pieces. And I've long since given up. That's, I've given up long, long since then. No. But here to help me process what we can is our guest for this evening. He is an awesome podcaster, author, uh, television personality extraordinaire. It's the one and only Andrew Main, everybody. Hey, man. Thank you very much for having me here. Dude, so excited to have you on, man. I, I'm so excited. I literally, I was listening I was listening to the Fantastic Weird Things podcast, uh, particularly After Things, to kind of get a taste of what you guys are feeling for Rogue One. And we've got all kinds of stuff happening in the news, but actually, I just want to kind of converse with you really quickly up front and just kind of see now that we're a week out, I feel like we all need to check in, right? We all need to stop and say, all right, uh, where are your expectations now for the film? What are you thinking Rogue One, especially in the context of like where we were this time last year? You know, the here's the problem. Every one of my friends and I, we're all like, we just want a good movie. We just want a good movie. <laughs> but you can tell yourself that as much as you want. Yeah. When you sit down, you're just, it's, it's hard because it's like, we're still processing Force Awakens, and I, I yep. had, I would say my my initial reaction to that was I was a bit frustrated with it, and I kind of had to let go of a lot of that and go see it again and again, and then got to a point where I enjoyed it, but I'm also to the point like, yeah, there was a lot to like. Yeah. And there was a lot of, a lot of fingerprints and manhandling of that film, too, where you're kind of like excited to see something where it's just like, let's just go tell a Star Wars story somewhere in the universe kind of story. So Yeah, they should use that title for uh, their spinoff films. Yeah. <laughs> Which one's that? The, Star a Star Wars, Wars story. story. I know, I it's, know, it's original. I mean, you know, um, uh, uh, Anthology was was certainly a little more heady. <laughs> yeah, and it's I got a friend who does like a, a lot of the analytics and stuff for Disney, so it's interesting hearing him talk about like oh. what they go through as far as figuring out what what works and what doesn't work, and you know, and and I have to explain a lot to like my friends, like I don't need any more commercials. I'm already going to see it. Like, yeah, but it's to get your friends who are thinking maybe they're going to see oh. see like it's not like we're gonna go. Yeah. Sorry, seen too many Star Wars commercials and too much PR. <laughs> I'm no longer a fan. It's not gonna work that way. We were only watching like the 35th on the pre-show. <laughs> yeah, I and like you know, it's funny. It's like I I I don't envy you. So because like I talked to my buddy Justin about doing a Star Wars podcast years ago. We talked about doing one, and we realized none of us wants to look at spoilers. None of us wants <laughs> to have to go into that and to read those sites and to go see what's going on in that area. We're like, 
nope, we're just going to try to be fans and just watch it from the surface and avoid whatever we can. Yeah, well, and it's it's tough because I tried I tried to walk the line and I, like it objectively failed for the Force Awakens because as the movie came closer, the more I the, you know I started off saying you know what I'm making makingstarwars.net my homepage and I'm just reading everything and then as we got six months out and four months out and three months out as I kind of felt the rumor, rumors were getting more and more accurate, I started pulling back slowly. But even then, like I was one of the guys uh, I got spoiler bombed the night of. I think I think Brushwood did too. Uh, uh, where it's just like, even if you don't want to see it, and you can feasibly avoid it, but then just by virtue of being a public Star Wars fan, the night of release, I just got flooded with tweets, and I did a Periscope and stuff. It's just like, it's nearly impossible to avoid. I try I, I, with I had I got an urgent text message from a friend that I had not seen that urgency since 9-11 of like, <laughs> hey, stay away from the city. Um, and it was stay off Reddit, stay, stay off the internet tonight. There's spoilers everywhere. Oh. It was, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna avoid this. And it was just that that severity of like, we do need we need our own Star Wars bunker. That's what we need. <laughs> what yeah. We need. Uh, and well, so yeah, this is basically Andrew Maine has has popped his head above the above the foxhole, looked left and right in the midst of the Rogue One PR, just going pew pew everywhere. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, and speaking of which, probably the best piece of uh, PR to come out of the big press event this last week uh, from last weekend is this uh, piece of audio from uh, Jen, o- Jen Urso herself, Felicity Jones. Take a listen. Hi, I'm Felicity Jones, and I play Jen Urso in the new Star Wars film Rogue One. And I have a very important message. I'm not Daisy Ridley. I know we both have dark hair and talk funny to you Americans, and I know we're both in Star Wars, but yes, remarkably, two young British women can exist in the same cinematic galaxy. I know. (laughs) Crazy. As for Daisy, she's lovely, don't get me wrong, but I can assure you she and I are completely different people. Wait for For it. For one thing, she's partial to Matt Smith's Doctor Who, and, well, I'm more of of a David Tennant fan. Also... Before I see another Reddit thread, Ray and Jin, not related. Were C-3PO and, and Boba Fett related just because they both had metal exoskeletons? I don't think so. <laughs> she ruined it! I, I had my heart set. It was my pet theory. No, it wasn't. It's uh, not canon. We don't know. We don't know. Um, by the way, I like your uh, I like your, your hoodie you're wearing there. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm rocking the, the Boba Fett hoodie. Oh, here we go. Now it's complete. Now I feel like I have to... Hang on. Hang on. Now I got to... For the audio listeners, he's wearing a Boba Fett hoodie, and I have on a Boba Fett. The problem Fett. is, is that I, I was going to do this dramatic like reveal of the of the <laughs> Boba like Fett hood, and then I realized I'm wearing these absurdly enormous studio monitor headphones, and it's impossible. <laughs> um, but you know that that underscored one of the problems though that they got into once they announced Rogue One is the fact that you know uh, is that I would say that on the on the fringes within the fan sort of role it's obvious like we're well, different characters but that is the mm-hmm. if you're not a person who just pays a lot of attention you're like wait is this the same thing you know and it's like no no it's different different characters different whatever but that was was a risky bet i would say yeah. of, of not just two two female two british two dark-haired women around close to the same age was yeah it is it's an interesting uh yeah it, because just from a uh, there's so many 
the discussions in, on the podcast have so many times come back full circle to this idea of marketing this film and how do they do it. And it's been a lot more effective in, say, the last two weeks than the entire summer where I was just beginning to wonder if Disney was even going to release this thing <laughs> because we heard, unless you like went to Celebration or following the Star Wars show YouTube channel itself, that I saw very little mainstream press about Rogue One as compared to The Force Awakens. But I think I just got used to assuming that, I don't know, maybe a brand new generational, generationally defining Star Wars film is going to set the precedent for all the future when, in fact, it can't. There, you have to understand, they are so... They know... There is no better marketing machine for entertainment than Disney. Yeah. And Disney is extremely strategic about what they were doing. There was not, if you notice, leading into Force Awakens, there was nothing about Rogue One or there was going to be another one because they wanted to focus to be just on this. Notice nothing about, you know, same thing with Marvel. There was nothing about Guardians of the Galaxy 2 leading up to Doctor Strange because they wanted Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange. Yep. And so it's this, there is, but what they did, you know, what they did brilliantly, like leading up to Force Awakens was doing the, the, like the, the, the Lego stuff and all the other things for kids was how do you get them up to speed? How do you get this generation that was even too young for the prequels to, to be aware of this? And then here it's just, you know, they, they, now we're getting this barrage because also you want to time that with when ticket buying opens up. Yep. Yep. Which we were all anxiously awaiting for so long. We did. Do, do you got plans? What? What's? Uh, did? Do you have uh, opening night? Are you going to be there? Yeah. So my my policy on these things is is sometimes you know being out there in LA, sometimes you get invited to just you know the screenings and stuff. But the problem is is that unless you're super A list, you never know where you're going to sit or which theater you get shushed into pushed into, and oh. it can sometimes not be the best experience. Mm. And for stuff like this, I'm like I I have my favorite theaters. I have my places I like to sit. So, and my policy is like what I did, like the moment tickets, you know, I set my alarm to go buy tickets. I realized I set it for Pacific <laughs> coast, not East coast. So I panicked, got there and yep, went yep. through, I got a ticket for like the eight o'clock show. Then another ticket for like a one, eight, two ticket, one ticket for a buddy of mine who's a director out here. Another ticket, you know, for us, for like the 1am. So I always get like multiple tickets. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. We had a, pre we, we were, we were, I totally, I, I just felt like I, you know, let's, why not live stream this? So I live streamed the panic. As every <laughs> as we were just like following along, fortunately, within about five to ten minutes of uh, various ticket sites crashing and going to the actual theater websites and stuff, we got all the ticket uh, stuff organized. Um, but it was it was pretty crazy. It was kind of I don't know. Maybe I was taking too much pleasure in watching everyone panic over trying to get opening night tickets because that is not something I was expecting for Rogue One. Yeah, I my frustration is just the too too many damn 3D showings. Like uh, I will gladly play, pay more for 2D, you know, and that's what drove me nuts. It's like a couple of my, like my favorite theater. I like to go see it in. It was a 3D. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I see. We did, th we did 3D for the, for the oh, opening sorry. night, but I'm, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't know. Maybe I, I probably just got bought into the hype. I, I don't know why I like 3D. I'm that weird guy. I know. I, I know. Listen, man, I could, I could probably tell you a couple things to look for that would ruin 3D for you forever. Uh, but, but no, no, just allow me to stand in my ignorant bliss. <laughs> I will. I'm not going to tell you that, but I'm going to say this. It's one of those things, once you understand how that conversion process, you're like, like oh, uh, wait, that's uh, it. You know, like, this is just bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I no. I enjoy it. 
Yeah, and I thought about doing the... I, I'm, I'm weird about it. I thought about doing a back-to-back uh, showing, but I think we're going to do one the first night and then once or twice. And I'm not one of these guys. There's the... Regal did this weird thing where they literally did a gift certificate that you could buy for 100 bucks, And I think it gave you 25, 50, like some obscene amount of showings that you could literally just go see Rogue One as many times as you want in any format just for like Dude. this one black card. <laughs> Let me, let me tell you about some Phantom Menace tickets I never used. Oh, uh-oh. <laughs> I bought, I bought like six or seven, because I bought like, like, like the night, that showing that night, then a couple during the day, because I'm thinking like at Star Wars, I'm going to want to see this again and again. And I knew 20 minutes into Phantom Menace, I was not going to be using those other <laughs> tickets. <laughs> Maxi big the ticket sales. Uh, are, yeah. Ooh, some steep. I take a weird there. and perverse pride in my in my generational uh, uh, slice of the Star Wars fandom because, like, I was the kid who the first movie I saw in the Star Wars universe. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, the Phantom Menace. It was the first coolest movie thing I ever saw was Star Wars. Oh, how about that? How about that? Uh, was it? Oh, oh, like um, was it the Ewok special? <laughs> no. No, well, I mean, Star Wars, which I refuse to call A New Hope, because when I saw it as a kid, it was actually Star Wars and not Episode Four. None of that. It was, it was, that didn't happen until the re-release. Uh, such, such, such hipsterism here. Such hipsterism. No, just being it true, man. Just being, <laughs> no, hipsterism is calling it A New Hope. Actually, that's true. Actually, it's uh, technically A New Hope. Uh, it, I, keep, I still to this day, I still to this day keep saying Star Wars Rogue One. I can't break it. I can't say the Rogue One a Star Wars story. I keep making that mistake. Oh, yeah. That's a lot to say. Uh, yeah, no. All right. Well, we do. All right. So we have one more story we want to talk about on the podcast for tonight. Uh, and that is we're finally getting some actual, I feel like, solid information and insight into the what really happened with the, the rewrites and the reshoots that happened over the summer, because there's been all kinds of back and forth. It's almost like this, this I don't know, entertainment journalism political warfare of like, no, the reshoots weren't a big deal. They are a big deal. And I'm sure Andrew has, I'm sure you have opinions on it. But before we jump to it, I do want to tell everybody about our sponsor for this episode. And that's, of course, Geek Fuel. Now, what they're doing is they're providing a monthly mystery subscription box for geeks, gamers, and, of course, Star Wars fans. And uh, what, uh, what they do is they give you 50 bucks of value, 50 bucks of value for 15 bucks plus shipping and handling. Each box has five to seven unique geeky items, including T-shirts, posters, and all kinds of cool knickknacks and doodads. Uh, and, of course, for uh, in, in, in celebration of Rogue One and supporting this very program all the way up to... And beyond the release of the movie, uh, they're giving you, that's right, you, a free bonus Star Wars item with your first box when you go to geekfuel.com slash Star Wars Report. All right, Andrew, uh, before we even get into this piece, this is, uh, I believe it was LA Times, uh, a long-form interview with Gareth Edwards where he sh shares some of his insights. Where are you on the reshoots? Were you on the, like, uh, panic, this is the end of the world? Or are you on the panic of for, against all the people panicking? <laughs> You, you have to look at which studio does it. You know, when you yeah. heard about reshoots for, let's say, Batman versus Superman or whatever, you knew and, and having friends who worked on that, you know, high level kind of positions and stuff. When you heard about the reshoots, you're like, yeah, they know they have problems, but it's not a studio that's known for having a really good post make it better process. Where Disney yeah. notoriously are, are uh, has a very good reputation for fixing things, you know, the only time it never worked was like John Carter, and there's whole reasons why that didn't work. You look from animation like Tangled, you look at a number of Pixar stuff where they went back, Marvel stuff, the number of times they've gone back and said, let's make this work. 
that I would have been scared if I thought it was incompetent executives doing that, which is what happens at every other studio. But because Disney has Iger's not a guy that goes in there and says, well, let me tell you what I think. Iger's not even a guy that even his the, the studio boss is there. He's a guy like, well, what does Kevin Feige want to do? You know, what is what does Kathleen Kennedy want to do with mm-hmm. Marvel? If Kathy thinks this is going to make I'm first name. I've never met her. Been <laughs> in the offices. Never met. Her. OK, but if she thinks strongly on this and this is the right talent people to do this. That's what I didn't feel. I'm like, this happens. Like I could, yeah. you know, I know inside stories about like uh, things that happened, like Marvel pictures that turned out great. And it's like, yeah, guess who, you know, wrote jokes for that, whose name, you know, isn't on the credits and stuff. So yeah, I wasn't worried. And and Gareth Edwards, by the way, has a great rep. I have friends that worked with him. He's a super nice guy, really, really quality guy. So, you know, it looked like they just, they just, Disney's like, just let's make this better and we have the money to do it. Yeah. And, and, and let's go straight to the horse's mouth. Gareth was interviewed by the LA Times this past week and they explicitly asked him on record about the reshoots. And this is the first time I, that I know of, and I'm sure it's been like lightly addressed before, but this is the first time it's crossed my desk where they actually talk about it in some kind of depth. Uh, in response to the question, Gareth said, what happens was uh, that I'd say like a third of the uh, movie or more had this embedded documentary style to it. And as a result, we shot hours and hours and days and days of material. Normally you'd put together a film through ABCD, whereas... We had so many permutations, so many different ways it could be constructed. It took longer in the edit to find it. And then I, I, I actually picked up a little bit later, quote, we, uh, we plan to do a pickup shoot, but we need a lot of time to bring all of this material together and get the best out of it. So that pushed the schedule uh, in a big way. So that's, I mean, that's actually a lot more, uh, usually that's the kind of thing that you watch in the behind the scenes documentary and the DVD release, not the thing that's released ahead of the film. But I feel like getting that sense of the process, especially after seeing him at Celebration Europe, I was lucky enough to be there. And, and when he was on stage talking about how he likes to be the guy that actually picks up the camera and, mm-hmm. and, and builds the entire environment. And then once you get there, then kind of make some of the, um, the story beat decisions on where that camera goes. Yeah, I mean, there's, and that that's the challenge, of course, is that movies that are made, uh, you know, as we saw in the prequels, movies that were certainly made in the post process, but you never felt like the people, you know, the decisions being made there were particularly, <laughs> you know, it's like, I can move the mouth over here and have them say this. It's like, here, I think that I think they started off what they thought was a tight story and, and then, then shot it and then realized, okay, we we want to build this out or focus on this or bring more into it. Because, I mean, it's, you know, when you're trying to do, you know, Full Metal Jacket meets, you know, Black Hawk Down meets Star Wars, that, yeah. you know, could be, if you know, a lot of ways that can hit or not hit. So, Is uh, it? Yeah, I like the way that he kind of speaks in terminology of finding the film in the edit. Because... Mm-hmm. That is something that, uh, frankly, um, it, that's something you want to do before your movie comes out, not, you know, 20 years later in the 1997 edition to add your special effects shots that you did, want. Did you read uh, how Star Wars conquered the universe? I, in, in, it, I did. In fact, we, Chris Taylor was on the program last week. He was amazing. That's a, it's mm-hmm. like the best nonfiction Star Wars book ever written. Uh, it's opinion. one of the best just period of anything being made. Yeah. You know, he's, he, Chris Taylor, super nice guy. We've had him on our podcast. He's, he's, it is a fantastic, anybody out who's listening to this podcast who's not read yes. that book, that audio book, you, you're, 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 li- you're living your life wrong. I'm not to tell people you're living <laughs> your life wrong, but you're living your life wrong. Um, yeah. I went, cause I'm like, I know all the Star Wars lore. I've met Irvin Kirshner, you know, I'd, you know, picked his brain, talked to him. I'm like, I know everything about Star Wars. 
No, I didn't. Nope, <laughs> nope, nope, nope. I was deluded. And when he talks about the the just the story alone for any creative person about the iterations of from what they shot to then all the different edits on that of how like if we didn't get the input influence of Marshall Lucas and these other people yep. in the edits, it would have been a crappy movie. It, everything was shot. Everything had been shot was fine for the most part. They had to add a, you know a couple of bits there, but. It would not have been a good movie. We we've been like, man, that could have been a cool movie, you know. Yeah. But yeah, it would yeah, it's there's so much there. And in fact, um I I'm so glad uh, you, there're literally two reporters that we almost ever read on this show. And that every day, and that's uh, Chris Taylor's work at Mashable and Anthony Bresnikan at at EW because those guys are so uh, prolific in in the world of Star Wars, I can literally just sit here and I I, do, we, I just talk about the amazing stuff that they reveal, and and mm-hmm. yeah, that book it's it's so 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 well done. Ah, uh, man, I'm it. I don't know. It makes me pretty. I don't know. I'm, I don't know about you guys. I'm getting kind of excited about this this movie. You know, let me. When they first <laughs> announced that Disney was buying Star Wars, which mm-hmm. was my long pick was always that was the only hope the franchise was going to have. Yeah, the best. By and, the way, the best news for my podcast I ever got. <laughs> yeah, I, I, my, my talking to friends and stuff was said this is one. It's good because Disney's track record with Pixar was great. Marvel's great. They're very good at getting these things and under and and, and taking some things that work there and applying them across Disney. But also, we weren't going. If even if Force Awakens sucked and just did okay, they weren't going to walk away from it. You know, yeah. and if this if Rogue One is sort of this or they're not going to walk away from it, they were going to figure out how to make it better where you see some franchises are just on the precipice because a studio does it. They do a mediocre job and they just they blame everybody but themselves for how they handled it, which has been tradition. It's why Trek has had a difficult time. It's why there's been a lot of issues with other stuff as they go. You know, that's superhero movies. The longest time is that, you know, if if Tom DeSanto hadn't done a, a great job of helping shepherd X-Men. Yeah. You know. We we you know we would not be looking at you know the number fourteen movie in the Marvel universe you know getting one of the top ratings of the summer you know Doctor number fourteenth Doctor Strange has a ninety one percent Rotten Tomato score yeah. a higher score from the critics <laughs> than the fans yeah it's it's incredible and it it's a process that I I have an maybe even just an irrational faith in at this point. I it I'm probably feeling too good about this film because there's very little uh like I said the the uh, the worst film pick the worst film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and I dare you to say that you didn't at least have a pretty good time watching it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, in the MCU, yeah, like I there in the, there can be described like I enjoyed the Thor movies more than a lot of other people. The weakest one would have been in, you know, Incredible Hulk, you know, which, you know, was in the same year that Iron Man came out. And, you know, Iron Man 2 certainly is probably, I'd say, one of the most weird, you know, kind of like <laughs> disjointed. But, yeah, they're, they're, they're you know, the, 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 it's, it's, I, again, I'm trying to temper my expectations for Rogue One because often I have to see a movie once and that gets the movie out of your head, out of your head. You got to, it's like you have a VHS tape in your head of the movie you're expecting. Yeah. And the first time through you're erasing it, you're putting it over a new movie over there. Then you kind of got to go back and watch that again. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, guys, uh, we're almost out of time here. I did, you know, I couldn't, uh, ever since you were graciously kind enough, Andrew, to uh, to agree to come on the program, there's one question I had to ask you. Normally I do this goofy little, we cap off the show and ask, well, because I'm doing like a Christmas special. Maybe we'll have time for it as well, but on on like the kind of overall meaning of Star Wars and, and get different people's perspectives on it. But you know what? I'm throwing that out because I just want to ask you because you're too darn good at this. Uh, if you were to really put together what you think would be an amazing 
uh, surprise. We're seeing uh, in Rogue One, and to put a little context around it, uh, some of the conversations we've had on the show are really highlighting how much we're just seeing of Jedha and Scarif and how I really think that we're not seeing much of this film in the publicity material other than what's in the first half. Are there any like big twists or turns that the storyteller Andrew Main would paint that you think would be a pretty cool uh, event in Rogue One? I mean, the I have a feeling what I think it is, but what and that's not a twist thing, but like why, my first thing is like you just want to tell a good damn story without needing a twist because there's there's you don't want to do too much fanboy service where you try to make too many connections that have no story value whatsoever because there's certainly there's a certain part of culture like oh my god what if so and so is related to this and this like who even cares yeah. you know I don't I don't need to draw lines between here to make it better and sometimes that makes it worse since the universe is too small. What I want to see, if I were in Gareth, if I got a call, it's like, hey, I talked to some friends, and they said, you know, you could help me out. I'd be like, well, uh, <laughs> you've been led astray. <laughs> um, uh, but since you're on the phone, we need to see Darth Vader as a badass. We need yeah. to see Darth Vader knocking some heads, killing some rebel scum. I want some good scenes of Darth Vader. Not this, not this sort of, you know, I mean, kind of like, you know, Rebels is cool and stuff like this. Not a bunch of force punches and stuff. Yeah. I want some, just some Darth Vader smashing skulls, getting dirty yes. and gritty. I want a little, I want more Vader doing yes. that. Vader is the badass stuff. Did you ever play, uh, it came back, it came out uh, quite a few years ago. I think it was 08 or 09, somewhere in there, the Force Unleashed video game. Yeah, I didn't play it, but I looked at it. Yeah. That was the first time that that um, in the any of the expanded universe or video games or novels uh, that we really saw a really, really badass Darth Vader. But it's not the same as seeing it on the big screen. I really I, I think everyone's waiting for that Vader moment because I don't know that he's he's in the film that much because otherwise he just becomes the film. Uh, but yeah, man, when we do it, see it, him, but you can you can. We you can set him up and then have him kind of do his thing and then there there are ways to do it because we know what happens. You know, if you're a fan, it's not like you're like, well, what would happen to the tall guy in the black armor? <laughs> you know, <laughs> everybody knows. You know, and, and that's going to be curious to see is how much do they do they? I mean, are are they? Do we see them running? You know, going running up against to a like literally docking with a diplomatic shuttle? You know, and, yeah. and uh, you know, I mean, it depends. Like, you know, how much of they want to borrow from what. You know, it was in the radio dramas or stuff or whatever. How much do they want to do that? You know, are they uh, are they are they watching from afar? Is there's the trench run? There's ways in which you can you can incorporate that. Yeah. But you know, I, I had thoughts on like, you know, how much do we want to see that? You know. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's to have great impact. It does have to be limited but awesome i think and 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 also and frankly to go back to your earlier point andrew about um the idea of making a big guessing game and like uh, it's nice to have easter eggs for sure but mm -hmm. if it's just like all about easter eggs the the actual like conversation around the story becomes better than the story itself just ask westworld fans uh so <laughs> uh, i just watched the last episode we won't we won't go there we won't go there all right uh two party yeah, i just i just like it's kind of part of me doesn't want it to be like oh well thanks for the advice commander porkins <laughs> you know and you're like because that'll get like you know and because you get that 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 silly sort of the nerd glee like yay there's a thing i know and you don't i'm gonna clap and it's like did that really help the story did that I can totally see that happening too. Oh, 
If this were Star Trek, that would be that would be happening all the time. Oh man. Uh, and and of course, this Darth Redeemer in the chat said, uh, they're, "Spoiler alert: They're all Skywalkers." That's the the thing. They're all Skywalkers. Yeah, <laughs> uh, oh man. All right. Well, two quick parting questions for you before we wrap up the show, sir. Uh, we're doing a kind of a special at the end of the year. So, in Andrew Main's opinion, let me ask you: What is it that makes Star Wars so special? What is it? That, why are we all nerding out every night? Uh, I mean, it's 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 a universe filled with adventure. It's a universe filled with different places. You hop on a spaceship, you're in an entirely different place. You know, and you you can you can be a rebel, you can be the empire, you can be a bounty hunter, you can be a princess. You know, yeah. um, it, it's it's there's there's the divide between a lot of us are like t- Trek fans, but I think our passion is we have this thing we are this first and. You know, and I, I, I got on Chris Taylor's case because he talked about, you know, in, in Star Wars Conquered the Universe, like, well, it didn't seem like Star Wars fans were inspired because he talked to a bunch of NASA people. None of them there were inspired by Star Wars. He said, yeah, you talked to people who wanted to work for the Federation or the Empire. When you talk to rebels, that's Elon Musk. Yep. Okay, what is the Falcon? The, the Falcon spacecraft is named for the Millennium Falcon. It uses mm-hmm. X-wings to land. I'm like... It's like, yeah, like Star Wars fans, we wanted to change the universe, not just put on a universe form and fall in line. Yeah, no, it's so true. And then, and then for you personally, how Star Wars impacted you, especially as a storyteller? Well, it is my first memory, my earliest memory of seeing Star Wars, not just the first movie. It is my earliest memory that I have a clear idea of, of being a little boy was seeing Star Wars. And so having that kind of like me waking up and realizing there's a role around me is has been, uh, you know, uh, wonderful and as yeah. a storyteller understanding the difference between something that people uh watch versus something people feel a part of yeah no you it, know that's made harry potter special yeah it's so true it's so true i we've had so many great answers to it i can't wait to put together we're going to do kind of a big special on 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 that exact theme because we all we do get kind of uh you know hi my name's riley i do a daily podcast about star wars in the month before movies released uh, i have a problem uh, but and we do get stuck in the weeds sometimes. But it's great to really focus on what does make Star Wars unique, and that's all we have. Uh, unfortunately, guys, that's all we have time for tonight. That puts this episode of Star Wars Tonight in the can. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. Andrew, tell us uh, where we can find you online, and particularly for Star Wars fans, uh, uh, promote, plug away. What would uh, Star Wars fans be interested in uh, in the main world? You know. Um I would say to be interested in Rogue One, which I'm going to be, uh, you know, you know, going to go see. So, uh, but as, as far as my world, uh, you know, I do dab a little bit in science fiction, but uh, it's nothing like Star Wars, and so I wouldn't even try to sell you on that kind of. Go to andrewmain.com, M-A-Y-N-E, Andrew, M-A-Y-N-E. Check that out, or go to weirdthings.com, and you can check out our podcast. Highly recommend, by the way, Weird Things. It's one of my favorite podcasts. So, thank you. Sir. Uh, yeah, we will throw all of those links in the uh, chat for the podcast tonight. Uh, quick reminder uh, here at the end of the show, guys. Believe it or not, speaking of bad seats, there are only bad seats left, but there are seats still technically at uh, the Regal Atlantic Station 7 p.m. IMAX. I'm sorry, Andrew, 3D uh, showing. But uh, more importantly, you know what? Forget the 3D. Just pick your own showtime. But here's where you want to be. Meehan's Pub and Public House, Midtown Atlanta, right there at Atlantic Station, across the street from Regal Atlantic Station. Uh, we're doing our big pre-Rogue One meetup. It's going to be a great time. Eat, drink, and be merry and talk some Star Wars and then go see a Star Wars movie. We're going to have a great time. So we'll see you guys all out there. Make sure you go to starwarsreport.com slash meetup, and that's where you can RSVP. Uh, and uh, it's free. So, hey, there's that. Uh, follow us on uh, Twitter. It's at Star Wars Tonight. I'm on Twitter at the Riley Guy. And, of course, stay subscribed. Leave those ratings and reviews on iTunes. Big thanks to our sponsor for the episode, of course. Make sure you check out geekfuel.com slash Star Wars Report. 
And most important, a big thank you to everyone directly supporting this insane project uh, at patreon.com slash Star Wars Report. That puts the wraps on this episode. We'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow for the bonus Friday episode. And of course, the following week, the week of Rogue One. Andrew. We got, our, we got our bit. Hang on. Thank you for listening to Star Wars tonight. Remember, the opinions expressed in this podcast are not the opinions of Andrew Maine, the Star Wars Report. And remember, there's one man who knows how to uh, find the story in a film. We can all learn a lot from it, and that's Gareth Edwards. See you tomorrow. Oh, Java. All right, that's a show. Good that's, job, sir. That's a good, uh, good show. Good show, mate. Yeah, man. Good show. I'm stuck. I'm stuck.